Hello, I'm Andrew Hales. Welcome to another edition of Chatting With. I'm here with Naomi Brockwell. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Expert on crypto. I wouldn't say expert, I would say evangelist, super passionate, uh, no more than the average bear, but it's a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, how much Bitcoin do you own now? How much money is in your bank account? <laughs> yeah. so do you not have dollars anymore, or you, or you own the I, Bitcoin? I know. I um I still use fiat currency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though it hurts me every time I do, and I look forward to uh, a world where we don't, because I love the idea of permissionless banking. I don't like that there are some people in the world that don't have access to credit systems, to the global financial marketplace. I don't like it when you need permission from people to make uh, transactions. I don't like it when governments uh, tell you that, you know, I don't like the site WikiLeaks, therefore we're going to freeze all donations there. I don't like that sort of stuff. So I like the freedom that Bitcoin enables. If everyone used Bitcoin, would the government be able to tax them? Well, at the moment, they are taxing them, although there okay. are some fun statistics with that. I think that in 2015, about 800 people filed Bitcoin related taxes. And I can show you there are a lot more people earning money in crypto. It's, it's a gray area with government at the moment because okay. they're really figuring out regulations. They don't know whether um, you know, currencies like Ethereum, whether it's considered a security or not. And uh, every department seems to want a piece of the pie. So some government departments tax it as currency. Some governments treat it as um, you know, assets and get uh, capital gains from it. So it's, it's like this murky thing that people are still trying to get their head around and still trying to figure out, okay, where does this fit? But it's such a revolution that mm. I don't think you can shoehorn it into the existing system. I think this is going to completely up, give an upheaval to the existing system. It still requires a Wi-Fi and a computer. It's not going to be, it's going to be worthless once the electricity goes out. How are you going to get money out of the ATM if there's no electricity? Well, yeah, that'll be worthless as well. So I guess you have all I'm, your money under your mattress. Well, no, not even cash. Uh -huh. I, like, you know, dollar bills don't have any value. Yeah, we're all going to be trading like cigarettes and chocolate yeah, bars. Yeah, right. So I, that's why I'm also <laughs> stashing up on Cadbury's because I like to... Um, Cadbury hedge, hedge, eggs? Cadbury chocolate. Okay. Australian. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, Australian. Wait, no, I, I know what Cadbury is. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. Like the Easter eggs. Like the chocolate. It's right. not just at Easter time. Okay. Well, I only see it at Easter time for some reason. But it's a great talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I've been getting into st like preparing for the apocalypse, but I feel like Bitcoin's still going to be worthless. What preparations have you made? Like uh, I have like a box car. Mm -hmm. It's like half the size of this room. Mm -hmm. It's buried underground in Cedar City, and. <laughs> I got all my guns and drugs and everything right. there. Yeah. What drugs? Uh, Adderall, Lexapro, Ativan. Uh Because -huh. <laughs> those can be traded like currency. Mm -hmm. Drugs can be currency. Uh, right. Seeds. You well, know. the great thing about Bitcoin, I mean, if if you're a prepper and you're like, oh, I'm stashing up on gold, like you really have a warehouse filled with gold, you don't, you don't think that's going to be raided in two seconds flat? Like you want to skip the country? You want to take giant gold bars? Good luck with that. You want to take like briefcases filled with hundreds of dollar bills? Like good luck. Okay. With Bitcoin, you basically need... Um, uh, is a bunch of words you need to just memorize them and then you can reactivate your account anywhere in the world without any need for hardware without any need for a third-party app to still exist you can uh, you okay. can access your coins there it's all on a blockchain mm-hmm 
I mean, with that, so the apocalypse argument, you hear that a lot, and everyone's like, well, in this <laughs> contingency, what are you going to do? And yeah. it's like this gotcha moment. Um, absolutely nothing. I mean, it's probably going to be useless. So is your US dollar. Right. All of these things are. And I think that Bitcoin isn't necessarily the answer to all of our money needs. I think that there are different ecosystems and different needs for money, and Bitcoin definitely fills one of those roles. We haven't had an international money exist apart from the US dollar that tries to claim that title and force everyone to accept it. Um, but now we have an international money for an international marketplace and we have a digital money, a real digital money for a digital marketplace. We haven't had that before. Right, before you could say, well, PayPal is that. But again, PayPal is like operating on a credit system. You're getting permission from them to use their system for one. And uh, they're charging you fees on top of that. And it's part of this really cumbersome, expensive existing infrastructure that really doesn't need to exist with new technology that's available. And it's, um, it, it's also this system where you think that your money is instantaneously being transferred, but it's not. It goes through this clearing house. It's, it takes weeks for all this to be processed. So Bitcoin is just a step up from uh, existing digital forms of money. And the reason that is, is because we finally figured out, or Satoshi Nakamoto finally figured out how to make digital assets irreproducible. So before we're used to taking screenshots of com on computers, you know, mm -hmm. if you have a photo, you can easily duplicate that. If you have an MP3 or a, a video file, you can easily copy them. How do you have digital assets that can't just be copied, right? And someone figured out how to create a digital asset that couldn't be copied, that was unique. Hmm. and this digital money was born and it was pretty remarkable it's an encryption it's like this long code how did he what is it how does it work it's like this <laughs> wonderful balance between um uh new tech and just a way of arranging different things that already existed keeping economic incentives in mind so um it all sounds very... Well, so now you get it. Now it's clear. Um, <laughs> well, right. Like you made it limited. Like there's so 21 million. There's 21 million that will... All, that's the only amount of Bitcoin that will ever exist. Whereas, okay. you know, like 2008, when the financial crisis happened, they had all this quantitative easing. And they were like, well, I'm going to print all the money and everyone yeah. gets some and this bank gets some and yeah. this bank gets some. And what does that mean? That basically means that our money in our savings account gets less and less valuable as the marketplace gets diluted. And we know that we're losing 2% at least of our um, savings a year through inflation. Okay. That's the targeted inflation rate set by the Fed. So Bitcoin is a deflationary currency. It means that there's a set number. So as more people enter the ecosystem, it gets more valuable. Right. Um, there's miners. It, I've heard it just takes a few computers to, to mine a Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Right? Like a really sturdy pickaxe. <laughs> Why doesn't Bill Gates just make five warehouses of computers and get the rest of the Bitcoin? Um, so that's called a 51% attack, and it definitely can happen. It's oh. exorbitantly expensive, and that's where this economic balance comes in. Because it's not in people's uh, financial interest to uh, hack things. If, uh, if it's exorbitantly expensive to break down this system, then that's a huge investment. And once you've broken down the system, you're basically ensuring that this uh, currency is now worthless because who's gonna want a currency that's been, been compromised, right? So there's, there's this uh, economic incentive uh, structure at play. What you've seen is a lot of, um, a lot of smaller coins, basically that share hash, um, 
a hashing power uh, with each other. Like if you have less hashing power on your coin, it's easier to do a 51% attack. And that sounds very convoluted, but basically the smaller your infrastructure, uh, you can borrow hash power from, from other computers, or other coins and use it to attack uh, different coins. Bitcoin so far has uh, not been attacked and it's very expensive to do so. Uh, there are smaller coins that have been uh, attacked. So it's, it's something to keep in mind. But it gets stronger and more robust every day. So the thing is with Bitcoin is that uh, something goes wrong in the system and uh, people get smarter and they evolve. And that's something we haven't seen in the money supply for a long time. Because, I mean, you see like a lot of government services, right? You don't go to the DMV and walk away thinking, I had a great customer experience yeah, there. Yeah. You know, you get, and like the same thing with, with money. They're not thinking, okay, what's the best user experience that people can get from from using the US dollar what's the best thing they're not yeah. they don't care yeah. but with bitcoin you literally have some of the smartest people in the world spending all of their time figuring out, okay, what do consumers want? What's the best form of money? Like, how do we get people to use this? What are they looking for? And that's exciting for me. It means that we're getting things that are more secure than ever, uh, that are easier to use, that are faster to use, that are cheaper to use. And it's just a really exciting time. Um, I'm excited to see what, what, the, uh, what the world's gonna look like in 10 years once I, once I think that digital currency is gonna be completely uh, pervasive. Explain to me why the government can't regulate it. That's a good question. So there have been many forms of digital currencies before Bitcoin. Uh, this wasn't the first one and they've been shut down. Mm. Um, so what happens when you have counterparties involved, when you have you know, people saying, well, well, we've got this digital token and it's backed by this warehouse of gold. You know, we're gonna be in charge and we'll do that. Or, you know, we've invented this other thing, but we're a company that's done it. Basically, you've got a target sign on you. And if you just shut down that company, you know, you've shut down the technology. What happens with Bitcoin is it's decentralized, it's peer-to-peer. -peer. So this is software that's running on thousands of computers all over the world. So if the government wanted to shut it down, they would have to shut down all of those computers and it gets remarkably difficult to do so. The government can do things to slow it down and they could monitor IP addresses and um, put out probes, you know, finding out where all of the nodes are. And um, again, that's a very expensive involved process, but they could slow it down, but they can't stop it. And it's, that's interesting. It's like thousands of computers. It's a lot it, of computers. It'd be nearly impossible. Yeah. There's multiple different cryptos. <laughs> uh, what's the best one? That's the best one. <laughs> well, if you take my financial advice, um, it depends what you're after. Um, there I are lots like of, I feel like that aspect is uh, there are saturating lots of shit, it. Shit coins too. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you need to be very careful. I mean, if you're asking what my portfolio consists of, I think that there are just a handful of ones that I'm looking at, saying like, oh, they're really exciting, and there are lots of ones that I'm thinking. You're not going to tell me which ones. Well, Bitcoin, obviously, I really okay. like. Um, Litecoin. Litecoin, I mean, there, there's so many. Like, Litecoin has managed to pull through in a bunch of different bear markets. A lot of coins haven't. Like, you used to have Feathercoin and Namecoin. Where are they now? They've disappeared. So, mm. Litecoin has an interesting longevity that uh, you haven't really seen much of in the space. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting, this, this ecosystem, because 
we don't really know what's going to happen. And this is the first wave. Like you look at the, uh, the dot-com bubble and all of the companies that went bust at that time and everyone was like, this is the end of the internet. And Paul Krugman's like, the internet is going to be useless very soon. And, mm. um, and what actually happened was that was just the first wave and people learned and got smarter. And then the second wave came along and now the internet, you know, everything is connected. Your bridge is probably connected. Yeah. And so <laughs> what's exciting about that is like, it's like a mortar shell, you know, if, if you shoot it the first time, it's probably going to come up really short and you shoot it the second time, it's probably going to go really long. Mm. The third time you're dead. Right. So yeah. this is the first wave of cryptocurrency. We're probably going to see most of them fall out of the market. Um, but then when that that bursts, you're going to see another wave. And then soon it's going to be everywhere and it's going to be um, in everything you're doing. You're sure about this? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. But it's it is. Um, it is a technological revolution. If we think about how much of our lives is on the internet right now, how much yeah. of it is digital, we've seen a huge shift in, in the way we're living our lives. So the fact that we now have a way to keep immutable records uh, digitally that can't be changed, uh, to decentralize things, to have things go across the globe in this like sprawling network, and uh, you know, to, to have something that that, that can't be shut down like this and to have digital assets that can't be reproduced in this digital age is just so useful and beneficial that I think that we're going to see like this is just the beginning and I think uh, currency is just the first application. Do you own any Bitcoin? I, I bought some Bitcoin in November mm -hmm. then I sold so right all of it. High <laughs> and then when did well, you sell? No, no. At the low when it went back down to 5,000? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I lost like There are a lot of people crying nice at kid. home who did the exact same thing. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> um, no, I think I bought at 10000 and mm -hmm. then I sold at like 9500 because I just needed the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't because like I was scared. It was like I really needed the money mm -hmm. for rent and stuff. Yeah, that's... That but now thing. it's at like 6000 and yeah. I might just, yeah, buy a bunch now. Or it might drop even lower. Who even knows? You, yeah, what do you think? Where it's good? Well, I'm long-term bullish. I'm super optimistic about this tech because it's incredible. Okay. Um, I mean, day to day, there's just not enough liquidity in the market to have any sort of stability right now. As more people enter the ecosystem, we'll start to see it stabilize. As there are other financial instruments interjected, I think that it's going to be more stable but it's it's so volatile no yeah. one knows and you have these awful people on youtube who make these videos about like here's my trick to making millions of dollars in crypto yeah. this is where the market's going and they'll have like these charts that have like arrows and they they look very convincing because they've got like the green and the red and it's all very colorful with things circled and yeah. they're very important circles right right and it's just ridiculous no one knows what's going to happen no one no one knows and um <laughs> you know as i said i'm long-term bullish i believe in the the future of this trend whether this bear market's going to last for another week or another 10 years, I have no idea. And I think that maybe we might, um, we might see it like kind of sitting low until we get some sort of clarity from the government. Have you bought anything off the black market? I, black markets are illegal. <laughs> oh. Yes, they okay. are illegal. <laughs> so um, I know people who have uh, bought things from the black market and wow. they had great experiences. What do they buy? They're generally drugs. Okay. Yeah. Like, what's the website? What's the website? <laughs> <laughs> Silkroad.com? Silkroad oh, that's too. just, that's over. That's over. Um, but the funny thing, I mean, 
They Silk went. Road they gets went. Shut um, down, right? They and went on the get, deep web. You mean? Well, there are lots of dark marketplaces on the deep web, yeah. and you see one get shut down, and then six more pop up. And yeah. Then you get six shut down, and you get twelve more pop up, and that's <laughs> the world we're living in right now. And now you have things like Open Bazaar, which I mean, they've clearly stated we're not here for drugs. That being said, you can buy and sell anything you want on this marketplace. It's decentralized, and no one can shut it down. Um, it's very dangerous to use those websites. Governments are monitoring things closely. They're monitoring IP addresses. You can become anonymous. You have to go out of your way to do so. You have to be buying a computer with cash and then going to an right. IP address that you've never used before. Yeah. And, you know, it's it gets very complicated. You can do it. You've done that? <laughs> I don't have. You sound I, like you know a bit about this. Well, we'll do the tutorial. I didn't even think of that. You. Buying a computer with cash. Duh. <laughs> she, just, she just thought this through. <laughs> man. Well, then, well, yeah. step by step. Then you got run. the VPN. Then you got mm -hmm. Tor. And then you dive See, in. you are already an expert at this. Well, you don't need me giving you the helpful hints. Deep web videos are all over um, YouTube now. Mm -hmm. Just stories, you know, mm -hmm. like the horror stories. Yeah. I love that, yeah. And you also never know who's on the other end, so you just have to be careful. Um, a lot of cases you see governments shutting down marketplaces, but not just shutting down marketplaces, they'll go in and they'll pose, they'll basically take it over. They'll oh. say, we're doing this in secret, um, but you know, here is a gag order, you can't talk about this at all, and then they just put out monitors, they figure out people's identities, they take over the internal system, and then they go after individual people on mm. there so wow. it's, it's it's a scary world if you want to get involved with that stuff yeah who made blockchain who made it <laughs> that's a great question that's yeah. a great question so most people would say no that, one knows well most people would say satoshi nakamoto okay. um created blockchain but then again you see early forms of the blockchain being developed by people like scott stornetta so um, he was working at like Bell Labs, for example, um, who were really at the forefront of a lot of technological innovation. And he figured out how to timestamp documents. And he, he created what I would say is an early version of blockchain. Hmm. And he was cited four out of the eight times in the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper. So someone under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto came around and put out this white paper on a, a cryptography mailing list run by someone called Perry Metzger. Um, cypherpunk and put this on there and this didn't come out of nowhere these cypherpunk mailing lists cryptography mailing lists have been talking about how to create a digital money for decades now you know they've wanted to figure out how to do this hmm. and uh, no one's got anywhere close it's really really hard um, to solve what they call the Byzantine general problems so figuring out your know, trust mechanisms how do you create something without having like a central point that you have to trust how do you decentralize trust so no one really figured that out and then Satoshi Nakamoto came out and, and released this white paper on this mailing list and said okay Here's something that I've created, and he cites like Wei Dai, uh, who's another early pioneer in this sort of so tech. So it's kind of a group of people. It's well, he's definitely pulled from a lot of existing tech, but he's put it together in this revolutionary way that no one had before. And actually, Scott Stornetta's response to that is he said that 
Satoshi basically got the ball over the net. Yeah. And that's not like a, a backhanded compliment. That's a huge thing. Like Bitcoin is not perfect. It has a long way to go. This is the, just the first step, but it's such a huge step. It definitely should not be discounted. Someone's still making updates and improvements to blockchain? Oh, always. So every cryptocurrency that you see, um, okay. they're changing things. So for example, Tezos comes along uh, because it's been so difficult to implement changes in, in blockchains and Bitcoin. You know, you have privacy functions that were invented, but it's hard to implement them. So Tezos comes along and says, okay, well, we have a governance mechanism. We make it easier to, you know, make changes when we need to. If there's a bug, it makes it easier to change things rather than having to do a hard fork. My friend asked me to ask you, when's Lambo? Is that, is that a thing? When's, La when's Lambo? <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of slang term? When Lambo, term? when Moon. When yes, Lambo, is, whatever. Uh, Lambo and Moon are two things that we probably reached 2017. Then we lost Lambo and Moon, and people are hoping Lambo and Moon will, will come back. This idea that you make so much ridiculous amounts of, of money yeah. uh, in cryptocurrency that it's going to the moon and you're going to buy a lot of Lambos. Okay. So when is that? <laughs> Not sure. So let's say I have two Bitcoin and I want to buy something. And so I'm going to go get it from, I guess, one of these... Coinbase, where do I get my Bitcoin to give to someone? Are you a beginner or an intermediate or an expert? Because I'd give different answers depending and I probably wouldn't have to give an expert an answer. So starting with beginners, I would say use the easiest thing. I would say the easiest thing is one of these existing financial institutions like Coinbase. How do we know those institutions aren't going to screw us over? You don't. Okay. I mean, how do you know that Chase isn't going to screw us over? In fact, I would argue that Chase screws us over every single day. I, I got an overdraft fee, <laughs> <laughs> like dinged like five times. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. It's so um, you, you never have any guarantees. But then again, they're also subject to US laws in terms of fraud and all of those things. So when people say this is an unregulated market, it's not because they exist within a world where yeah. fraud is illegal and you know, stealing is illegal. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, I mean, Coinbase, I think, has been great for beginners. Okay. I always recommend that. Um, What's, a lot of people, how about for experts then? Well, a lot of people hate Coinbase because it's an intermediary and they say that the whole point of Bitcoin is to be peer to peer. Right. It even looks like Chase. <laughs> Yeah. I, I like I like Coinbase because it's provided a really necessary entryway into this marketplace for people who are not tech savvy. For, for dummies. Yeah, I started out on Coinbase <laughs> because I wouldn't have known how to have my own client at home and how to keep that secure. Like you're basically asking every person they want to be their own bank to be their own security expert as well. That's a huge burden to place on people's shoulders. Hmm. People just want to live their lives and have their jobs and have their kids, not have to be experts in all of these things. They want to pay other people to do that so coinbase is a great example if you do want financial autonomy if you do want to get out of like the intermediary world mm -hmm. um you can use decentralized exchanges as a great way to do that i know that Komodo. that's platform, another institution no so um <laughs> so they're a decentralized ex exchange uh they implement things called atomic swaps which means you can exchange different currencies without an intermediary okay. the way it works is that you sort of sort of like an escrow uh, account so um, you basically put in a deposit mm -hmm. and then um, if you don't get the thing that you were promised, you get your deposit back. So it's a way of safeguarding that, but it does it all with smart contracts. So you don't actually need people or companies to implement them. It's all done with code. So if two people have looked at the code and they want to implement this smart contract, they can okay. make an exchange without 
any lawyers or institutions or permission systems. That's for experts. That's for, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest people get involved with atomic swaps unless they understood things. I would say the way that Bitcoin first became valuable was because it was this revolutionary concept of creating a digital asset that couldn't be reproduced. That has immense value in itself, okay. right? And then a bunch of a bunch of really techy, mathematical, geeky, nerdy, uh, Magic the Gathering playing people said, "Whoa, this code's awesome!" And they okay, loved it. Right. And so, in this cyberpunk world, in this uh, cryptography world, in this mathematical world, people were just like geeking out over how awesome and revolutionary this thing was. And so, people just started um, sending it to each other as sort of like a kudos, you know, like a Reddit upvote. If someone did something good, people would send them, "Oh, here's ten thousand Bitcoin," you know, well done. Didn't really have any value at all, but it was just like a kind of hit it five stars or whatever. Here's a Facebook. Yeah, it was like, like this cool thing. It was a cool factor. The more people who entered the <laughs> ecosystem, uh, the more valuable okay. it got. So limited amount of Bitcoin, it grew, and then from there, I mean, you had you had the first real it's world. It's kind of artistic that way. Well, it, it is. It's sort of like this tipping system, which yeah. I think is a beautiful organic way for Bitcoin to have grown. And mm. then you had the first real world uh, purchase uh, of goods using Bitcoin, where in 2010, um, in May 22nd, Bitcoin Pizza Day, you had someone on Bitcoin Talk Forum say, hey guys, I'll give someone 10,000 Bitcoins if they will send me two Papa John's pizzas. And someone did. That was the first real world exchange. And people started to think, oh, whoa, we can actually use this to buy things and people will actually accept that as money. Wow. And it started to grow from there. From there, you got drug marketplaces entering the ecosystem. It became really, really um, uh, powerful there using in black markets. Hmm. Ecosystem got an e even bigger. And you know, as it grew, again, finite supply of currency and more people entering it, it got more and more uh, valuable. And also knowing the inflation schedule and knowing that there's only ever gonna be 21 million you, you've got to realize like if, let's say everyone in the world wants to get involved with this thing and there's only a certain amount, a small amount of Bitcoin is going to be worth a huge amount if everyone wants a piece of that. So Bitcoin just grew in value really organically as more and more people entered and saw this as useful. And you've got to look at the fact that Bitcoin was designed to be an ideal form of money. It was architected to be infinitely divisible, to be fungible, uh, to be uh, to have longevity. You know, it's not going to go off. Um, to it, it can be instantly transferred across the other side of the world in a way that gold can't. Um, in a way that our, you know cash can't. Hmm. So there were all these things that made it super powerful. So once it started to have monetary value, people realized, okay, there are people willing to accept this. Um, as as money, it became infinitely more valuable because it just it grew from there. You know, it's so ideal and so easy to use and um, so helpful as a tool, so useful for people. That's valuable, and it just grew from there. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You're it's going been you're, wonderful. You're going to a wedding now. <laughs> yeah, going to my friend's wedding. Very nice. Yeah. Um, please check out Naomi's info in the description. Share your story in the comments and I will see you next week.